And I shoot my shot and stuck a wild where it's going in. Cross niggas like Bubba Chuck, I never gave a fuck. Hook shot a hole like Kareem, but I never lead a fuck. I hit that Janobi with my left hand all like, woo! Bitch, you weren't with me shooting in the gym. Wrong nights, I perform like Mike. Anyone, Tyson, Jordan, Jackson, action. James Harden with the range on me, nigga, way back. Michael Jordan, 1985, bitch, I travel with a cocaine search. And you can live through anything if magic made it. What up, my fellow Knicks fans? This is your guy, Marcellus Ease, and don't panic quite yet. Now, we're slowly creeping up to a critical point, I would say, in the season, which we got to start reevaluating these lineups here. I mean, we're going to break this down piece by piece because a lot is in play here, especially with the politics of the salaries and guys having to get their minutes. And you could combine that with just having starters who historically are used to having the ball in their hands and having a certain amount of volume shots in order to get into rhythm. And meanwhile, because of the poor performance by some of the starters from time to time, Tibbs is trying his best to not mess up the chemistry within the bench, not trying to break up that Rose quickly combination that he has off the bench. Because I see a lot of the fan base, they want Derrick Rose starting, but I see Tibbs is in a sticky situation where he's not really trying to break up that chemistry. And then we got to drop the ball down low and look at what's going on in the post game. Oh yeah, it's like a minute, Mr. Postman. Because not having Mitch or Noel down low, not only defensively is affecting us, but offensively as well, we don't have a threat at center. So it's leading to Julius Randle having certain struggles, especially on the offensive end, because it's easy to trap him when you have no threat at center. So we're going to take a look at what's going on with the Knicks lineup because this season, our defense is not as lit as last year. And something's just not sitting right with us because things are kind of looking off. Mama's cooking the spices is in my goddamn ear. It's like she rubbed some, she done reached down and rubbed some cayenne pepper on the back of my ear. It's just something ain't sitting right. Now I know it's only the start of the season, but what the hell is going on here with some of our defensive assignments, especially in the past couple of games? We see OG Ananobi when we went up against the Raptors looking like Vince Carter. Miles Turner was looking like Stephen Curry shooting threes from every angle. What's up with that? And then Ricky Rubio, he came all the way from the depths of hell in Cleveland. I didn't even know he was still in the league. This guy was looking like Stephen Curry also just having career highs against the Knicks. And we just got to look in the past few games, the starters actually have gotten outperformed by the Knicks bench in a, quite a few games, man. We're talking about the win against the Pacers, against the Raptors, the Hornets, the Bucks. Both times when we won and we lost, the bench pretty much outperformed the starters. And to my fellow Knicks fans that are not in the know, the Knicks starters have actually gotten outscored by opponents completely. And just overall as a squad, we're at the very bottom of the league and allowing opponents to make threes and also just allowing points per possession. When the hell did we fall from grace, especially when our defense was one of our catalysts last season? Now, for sure, it's not a secret that Kimball Walker is definitely our weakest link on defense. 
And just looking at his minutes, they've been pretty spotty. It seems like his limit has been actually 30 minutes in a game. But the next game, he'll definitely play like 18 to 20 minutes. But Kimball Walker this year, he doesn't get to the line as much. And he's pretty much a spot-up three-point shooter or just a spot-up jump shooter. So we got to take a look at his knee. I know it's just the beginning of the season, and he's still coming off that injury. But just the combination of him and Evan Fonia being the new pieces of the squad. If their shooting isn't on point, historically, defensively, these guys are not it. And with the starters defensively lacking and not too many changes from last year within the roster, we got to look at these two guys. And this is where the politics of the league salaries come in. Because remember, we got to take a look back at the Boston Celtics with the Gordon Hayward situation after he came off that injury. Remember, he was getting paid over $20 million a year, just like Evan Fonier is. But they wanted Hayward to start and get heavy minutes, even though it was obvious, especially in that bubble, that when Hayward played, the Boston Celtics starters overall performed worse, especially Tatum and Jalen Brown. It was easy for them to blame Kyrie, but that Gordon Hayward situation was lingering over their heads, especially due to the fact that ownership looked at it as, we're paying him a lot of money, we need to see him put in work. And I'm wondering if the same thing is playing out here with the Knicks, because it's obvious that they could look at Evan Fonier and actually have him come off the bench. But then again, the politics of his salary, which he's the second highest paid player on the team, certain people especially front office people like leon rose and ownership is going to look at it as hey we're paying him 20 million a year why is he coming off the bench and only playing about 25 minutes a game that may actually make leon rose look bad so there might be pressure coming down from certain executives onto the team and coach to make sure that evan phony is playing and showing that he's worth the money that they signed him for that's why the Knicks matchup against the Pacers was very interesting because Tibbs did a combination between the bench and the starters in that fourth quarter in which the Pacers scored no baskets in the last seven minutes and shot only four free throws. That means that defense was immaculate. Only four free throws in the fourth quarter for the Pacers. Knicks was definitely doing their thing, but if you notice, Kimball Walker was not even starting. See, Tibbs has to pull one of these guys out, either Kimba or Evan Fonier. And the politics is telling you, Evan making that 20 mil, he got to be on that court. So that's another tricky situation because it's leaving Tibbs with very little wiggle room to not tweak with that bench lineup so much because we got one of the best benches in the NBA. So Tibbs not being able to actually pull Evan out for a certain amount of time because of his salary is beginning to force him to put Rose in there which really ends up tweaking with the bench lineup because Rose and quickly that combination is a big part of that bench lineup, that spark, that energy. And you begin to see where things start to get a bit tricky because once again, the Knicks right now do not want to tweak too much with that bench lineup because the shit is working for us. It's one of the best benches in the league and Derrick Rose having him on the floor along with that bench is very important. So that's why I think Evan Fonier is the weak link in this unique circumstance in which Tibbs can grab him and make a switch, make an adjustment to that starting lineup, while at the same time maintaining that same chemistry with the bench because the main part of that chemistry is Derrick Rose and quickly, that combination. Now I'm going to hop back and focus on the Knicks starting five. And just looking at the lineup, I'm noticing a lot of guys are used to having their volume shots in order to get into their groove. Especially Julius Randle. Last season, remember, he ran the point forward position. So the ball was always in his hands. And he was basically facilitating 
the offense. But this season, his touches are going to be weighed down because his other guys, especially this season, we actually have a point guard in Kimball Walker who could facilitate the offense. But I'm just wondering if Julius Randle, you see certain spotty games that he has, if the number of touches are starting to affect guys. I mean, even Kimball Walker himself, he's a volume shooter his whole career. This is a major adjustment where he's not really the main guy on this team that should be taking the volume amount of shots. Same thing for Evan Fonier. Most games Evan played in Orlando, he was shooting more than 17 shots per game. Now, for the most part, he has to limit that down to 10 to 12 shots per game. And the same thing for RJ Barrett. In his first few seasons, he's been at least a secondary guy to take most of the shots. Now this season, he has to dial that back a bit because he has other guys on his team that can contribute and he may not be used to having a limited amount of volume shots because we see sometimes RJ, he doesn't get into a groove in the first half. He doesn't let it get to him. And then in the second half, he still has the opportunity to shoot and then he gets into his groove. This season, that opportunity window may be dialed back a bit. And once again, I'm just wondering if guys are just... Guys haven't yet established who's the dominant player on the team. Whose responsibility is it to take these amount of shots? Who's going to take up this usage? Who's the most efficient? I'm wondering if guys either haven't proven themselves yet, where other guys can trust them. Yo, let him take 17 shots a game. He'll do his thing. Let him take 20. That's on him. He carries the load for the team. I don't think that hierarchy, that pecking order has been established yet. And sometimes out there, we see it look clunky and confusing on the court. And best believe, most of the team does understand that Julius should have this workload. But here's another monkey wrench I'm going to throw at you right here. Right now, the Knicks' inability to have a center who's a scoring threat is affecting Julius Randle's game completely. I mean, of course, Noel and Mitchell Robinson is out right now. But just them not having a center who has at least a post game or a jump shot who can stretch the floor... And at the same time, likes to play that defense that Tibbs likes. Because remember, Tibbs likes a guy in the post who could protect the rim. But us not having a guy on the offensive side who has some sort of game that can stretch the floor or just be a threat on the offensive side, it's making it clunky for Julius Randle to get in his offensive grooves and to have an opening to get into the lane. Because not having that threat, teams now could just basically corner Julius Randle into being a certain position where he's getting double teamed, he has nowhere to go. It sort of looks like how it looked like when we faced the Hawks in the playoffs last year. Just imagine Julius Randle's game, how much it will open up if we had a stretch five. See, if that becomes the case, then the Knicks going up against teams like the Indiana Pacers who have Miles Turner, who's a defensive presence at the rim, that will no longer be a problem because now we'll have a stretch five that could pull him out and allow Julius to attack the rim or get his jump shots off, or he doesn't have to get double teamed as much anymore, or forced into the corner. Once again, we only see problems with Julius Randle tend to exist when we go up against teams that kind of have defensive presence in the paint. Teams that tend to have a strong shot-blocking center, or just maybe a power forward that's a defensive presence. We see the Knicks have major issues going up against teams that kind of have that archetype down low. And speaking of post-presence, Obi Toppin's minutes will always be restricted unless he can prove to Tibbs that he can protect the rim and stretch the floor consistently from three, or at least at an efficient rate, I should say, from three. But mainly, Tibbs loves a center that can protect the rim. 
or just a power forward any anyone in the paint that could just protect the rim and until obi proves that he could do that he'll always be regulated to minutes behind randall because i believe tips will always go with noel mitchell and taj because in reality if obi protected the rim more you would see taj gibson minutes pulled back a bit and that would be obi's slot but tips he loves those rim protecting power forward slash centers and obi's really gonna have to work on his defensive skills as far as protecting the rim in order to get those minutes up or we'll see what happens when randall gets hurt but i have a i have a strong feeling in my gut that if randall got hurt we'll see taj gibson getting more minutes but obi this season man he's he's looking more polished he's he's starting to get into his groove i mean a player be looking different when they have some training camp some summer league under their belt because remember obi and quickly they were kind of just tossed out there last year in 2020 no summer league barely any preseason barely any team practices because guys had to deal with covid regulations and just travel with a short compressed schedule a lot of things were thrown off for these young rookies but obi this season man i could say he's definitely more poised more controlled more balanced but his minutes are still hovering from anywhere from 16 to 20 minutes a game for most of the time he plays anywhere from 12 minutes to 16 minutes but with obi i like what i see it's well deserved i gotta give it up for him definitely got to give it up for obi definitely doing his thing but at the end of the day the key and once again i say the key thing in order for obi to get more minutes is to protect the rim that's the key to unlocking tibbs minutes for obi topping so it is what it is so until next time you fellas stay safe in these rona streets peace